0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So guys, listen, we are, um, we are continuing with this series on the seven churches in the book of Revelation. How many have enjoyed this? It it's, continues to be challenging, continuing to be a lot of fun. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in the book of Revelation that you're like, man, I, what does this mean? And what does that mean? And, and I don't know, you know, and a lot of people, they can, they can chase a lot of different rabbits in, in the book of Revelation. But it's important for us to understand the book of Revelation is, is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the Antichrist. And I say that just about every Sunday because I want to remind us that Jesus is what this thing is all about. Amen? He's, a, he's, he's what the church is about. He's what the Bible is about. He's, he's what the, the covenant of Abraham is about. It's all about Jesus. And the book of Revelation is no different. It is all about Jesus. And so we want to lean in and hear from the words of Jesus. And so to set this up, a reminder, Jesus appears to, to John on the Isle of Patmos. John was around 80 years old. Jesus had ascended to heaven, and the disciples were, were doing their thing and spreading the gospel and planting churches. And there had been these seven churches that were planted in Turkey and Asia Minor. The first one was planted by Paul. At this point, the apostle John was the overseer of these seven churches. And Jesus appears to John, who was exiled to this island for preaching the gospel, and he appears to him and takes down notes and he captures a letter from Jesus to the churches. And so we've walked through every week looking at the particular letter. We've asked the question, what is, this, what is Jesus saying to us? And we've also asked the question, what is Jesus saying to me? So there is this church question, but also the individual question. And today is no different. We're leaning into this to receive from the Lord, from his word that speaks to us. And so out of all all of the churches in these letters, this, this church is the one that I want to become. These people are the one that I want to be. It's important to hear the words of Jesus to articulate what his church is to to be. Because so many times we can get off. We can think, well, church, and, and actually this is what happens a lot. A lot of churches, you, you start off and then kind of where, where you begin to see some, some traction or you get to, you begin to get recognized for that particular area, you go all in on that area because, because it feels that way. Oh, that's what God's doing. But the issue with that is that we're being led by our circumstances versus being led by the voice of Jesus, who's the leader and founder of our churches. And so we want to hear that from Jesus. We want him to speak to us. So we have an opportunity today to listen to Jesus, to listen to what pleases him. And I titled this message, Living a Life that God Rewards. All of us want to walk in the rewards of Christ in our lives. And I want you to know something. There is a life that if we live, we will access the rewards of God. Now, it it still means it's going to be a struggle. It still means there's going to be persecution. It still means there's going to be suffering. But if we live the life that God rewards, we will also be able to experience supernatural things in the journey, but also receive his reward as we walk it all out together. So we want to align our lives with what Jesus said he wants to reward. Here's here's the truth. We align our lives with what Jesus says he will reward versus asking Jesus to reward what what we want to do. We're not gonna ask Jesus to align his life with us. We're going to align our lives with Jesus as the leader of our lives in the church. And so we come to this letter today to the church in Philadelphia. Now, this is a church in, in Asia Minor, as I've already mentioned. It was built in 189 B.C. I want to give a quick background so you can get the context of this. And the king of Pergamum, which is the, the church we looked at a couple Sundays ago, loved his brother, Atlas, and the, and the king of Pergamon built this city, and his brother was loyal to him, his brother was faith, faithful to him, so he named the city Philadelphia, which means love or brotherly love. And it's about 25 miles southeast of Sardis, which we, we looked at that church in that city last week. And the city had been devastated by an earthquake, but the, the city had been rebuilt, and it was loyal to Rome, loyal to Caesar. Caesar. Many historians call this, it was called the city, sorry, the gateway to the east. This city had a lot of influence. And so what happened in the city like spread over the other places. And particularly this city, it spread many um, areas of the Greek culture, pagan worship. It kind of exploded and went to another city, to another city. But here we have a church in this city, the city that's struggling, the city that isn't serving God, and God plants a church. What I love about this is it tells me that God likes to put His people in the darkest of places so they can be lights for the world to follow, amen? And so that's what we see, this church that that is there, it's planted, and they're they're doing their best to serve God. And the Lord speaks well of this church. He doesn't criticize them. He doesn't tell them, I wish you stopped doing this and knocked this off and why are you letting this happen? He's not saying that. He's saying, I am so proud of you. And we're going to read that in in just a moment. And this letter today, as Jesus affirms the church... He affirms them because they've kept the main purpose, their main purpose. He affirms them because they refuse to get um, distracted by other things. And we're gonna learn from his words today and apply it to our own lives. God's gonna challenge you. Everybody ready for a challenge? Say, yes, I am. God's gonna challenge us because he loves us too much to let us stay the same. He He wants us to access everything that he has, but this church had exalted Jesus in the rightful place, in their personal lives, but also in their church. They had kept strong to the message of Jesus. They had held. They didn't get tossed about by an agenda. They didn't. They weren't seduced to hey, let's chase this thing because we're getting a lot of recognition for it. Listen, they stayed true to the purpose of Jesus. And so we're going to learn from this today, and we're going to allow God to speak to us. This church, though, they were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were not ashamed. Everything they did was about, was about the gospel. Every event they held was about the gospel. Their love for Jesus, it, it, it just oozed from them. It was the reality of why they existed, why Jesus saved them and put them on the earth and put them in Philadelphia. They were sharing the good news and they were committed to sharing it. They were committed to keeping the word of God at the center of their lives. They were not ashamed. They were not embarrassed of the gospel. Listen, they always understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always appropriate to share. I hope you understand that. You know the gospel means good news. So you tell me, when is it not appropriate to share good news? It's not. Excuse me. It's always appropriate. That's what I'm mean going to say. Like, when is it, when is it like, you're like, well, I've got some really good news. And I just, I just don't feel like it's time. What what if you mean I have good news that if I share it with you, it's going to encourage you and give life to you. I don't know, I'm just gonna wait. You should share the good news because it's always good news. Everybody say good news. The gospel is always good news, Jesus is always good news. He always brings hope. He, Jesus has never been preached and proclaimed. And people left, you know what? Uh, that's just so discouraging that God would send his son to die for me. That, that's so discouraging that, that, that he, I was given the solution to the pain in my life and, and in my heart. I'm just so frustrated. No, nobody says that. The good news is always the good news. And this church understood that the words of Jesus were life-giving. They understood the leader of their church and of their lives. Jesus meant what he meant when he said it. They understood, John 14, 6, when Jesus said this, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. They understood what Jesus said out of Mark ten forty five: For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. They understood Jesus meant it, as he said out of Luke 5, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, and I'm not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. They understood the words of Jesus out of John 11 that says this, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. They understood this, and they lived it. So let's get into this letter from Jesus to this precious church. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, meaning what Jesus opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. I see see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan Who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come upon the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon, Jesus says. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Well, we're going to pull this out of this passage and these words from Jesus. Number one, God rewards a life that sees Jesus as awesome. Come on, can we say Jesus is awesome? Here we go. Jesus is awesome. Yeah. He rewards a life that sees his son as awesome. Listen, if you want to get on God's good side, now, you already are. But listen to me. If you you want to experience some really cool things happening in your life, if you want to, if if you want to see God move in your life in a fresh new way, you know how how you see that? You begin to adore his son as much as he does. You begin to, to love his son as much as he does. So many churches and people forget this. They get focused on the other things, the other initiatives, but they miss the heart of God. He loves his son. He loves his son. And Jesus, in this letter to these churches, and Jesus, as he's writing this, you, you see this whole idea. He's setting the stage of showing who he is, that he is awesome, that he is one of significance. And he opens up this letter by saying this. These are the words of him who are who is holy and true and who holds the key of David. First off, it's important that this key, it represents authority. It's important to know that we live with an understanding that Jesus holds the authority to open doors that we don't have the ability to open ourselves. These followers of Jesus, they were being told by those who, um, who were Jewish. And a lot of these believers in this church had converted from Judaism into following Jesus. Now their, their family and those of the Jewish in, in Judaism were telling them because now you're following Jesus, he's not the Messiah and you say he is, they were telling them that the door has been shut on your inheritance. They were telling these followers of Jesus that you no longer are children of Abraham. You no longer have an inheritance, that you are gone and the door has been shut and you have been cut off from God's promise on your life. What's interesting, this is why Jesus himself identifies to these precious believers. Hey, listen, listen, I know they're saying that, but I got the keys, baby, and I open any door that I want to. The door hasn't, has not been shut on you because I have opened it for you. And when God opens a door in your life, no matter what man says, no matter what opposition you face, no matter what trials you're going through, if God wants a door open, it's going to be open for you because he holds the authority and the key over your life. Amen? And Jesus was, was strengthening them, reminding them listen, listen, don't listen to them. They're liars. You are mine. Jesus opens this letter, identifying actually three things about himself. I want to look at them briefly. I want to look at the awesome attributes of Jesus. The first one is this. He calls himself, he says, I am the Holy One. So this is the title, the Holy One. It's the same, the same wording, the same original language that was referred to God of the Old Testament is now referring to Jesus in the New Testament. He was describing himself as, he was, he was equally as the same as God and what Jesus is saying that he is absolute purity and he's absolute separate what holy means to be separate to be to be different and he was showing them and telling them I am the holy one he's separate from sin to be our savior and really what Jesus is saying this is who I am who God is I am and he was letting them know that they are serving the holy one Jesus was telling them, I am undefiled. Don't have any doubts in your life. I'm undefiled. Without stain or blemish, I'm spotless. Jesus was saying, I am the only one who has walked among you as God in the flesh. And now I walk among you as God in the spirit. I am among you. Don't you worry. I'm the holy one and I got the keys. He was reminding them, strengthening strengthening them in their faith. The second thing he said about himself is, I am the true one. Because all of these different areas were being challenged to these believers. Well, Jesus isn't the holy one. Well, Jesus isn't the true one. Also, they weren't just being challenged by their Jewish family that had rejected them because they're following Jesus. They were also being challenged by a pagan culture around them. And this is a culture that many things claim to be God. Many people claim to be God. Many people telling um, everybody else that Jesus is not God. And Jesus sets the record straight. He said, just a reminder, I am the true one. I am the one that doesn't lie. When I say it, I mean it. When, it, when it's written, it means you can, you can hold me to it because I am, a, I am a man of my word. I am bound to my word is what scripture says. I am dependable. I am reliable. I am trustworthy. I am faithful. I am genuine. He is encouraging this church today and for us that He can give us strength and sustain us as we walk out our purpose in our lives because He is the true One and we can anchor our life to Him. The next thing He speaks about Himself, I've spoken about it briefly, is He says this He is the one that holds the key. Jesus is our leader. He's reminding them and reminding us that he holds the key to death, hell, and the grave. He's reminding the church and us today that he is the Messiah, the prophesied Messiah that, is, that was to come from the line of David with absolute power to control the entrance to God's heavenly kingdom. He holds the key. Jesus holds the authority to admit or exclude whoever he chooses in the presence of himself and God. He alone has the key and lets people into the kingdom. That's why Jesus said this out of John 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the only one to hold the keys to eternity. The only one. You don't hold it. He's the only one. As followers and lovers of Jesus, he holds the key for our eternity. Listen, I wanna encourage you today so many times when you come to Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, you are sealed. Scripture says you are sealed. You step into his righteousness. God no longer looks at you through through the filter of your sin or mistakes. He looks at you through the filter of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. And so many times we think, we, we live in this world of, or we can live in a world of eternal insecurity. And the, and the enemy wreaks havoc in our families, wreaks havoc in our own minds. We think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm in God's kingdom, I'm out of God's kingdom, I, I'm, I, I stumbled, I sinned, now I'm out of God's kingdom, then i got to get, get, get back to God's kingdom. And Jesus is reminding them, hey, just so you're aware, you don't hold the keys to your eternity, I do. And I'm faithful. And if I got the keys and you've given your life to me, you're getting through that door. Whether I have to drag you, but you're coming through that door because I've secured your life. That's what he's saying. He wants him to live in eternal security. Jesus holds the key. But also the understanding of he holds the key and absolute authority, meaning this. If God wants a door open in your life, there ain't no man that's going to stop it. You need to understand today your Savior and the one who's crazy about you and loves you, he's got a set of keys. And so many times when we see a door closed that we can't open ourselves, we say, well, I, just, I guess it's just not meant to be. I just it can't happen. How about this? Why don't you ask Jesus, who holds the key to every door, if he could use his keys and unlock that door for you? Jesus wants to unlock things in your life. He wants to open doors for you. And many times he's just waiting for us to ask him. We need to ask Jesus to use his keys. This church understood Jesus is awesome and Jesus is reminding us today that he is awesome and that he will take care of us as we lean into him. This is how this church viewed Christ. He was the holy one. He was the true one. And he was the one who held all authority. And they built their lives upon that. And that's why Jesus affirmed them and rewards them. And blesses them. And when we position our lives with Jesus at the center, when we position our lives as Jesus as the holy one, the true one. When we position our our church in a way that puts Jesus front and center, you know what that does? It attracts the blessing of God that God cannot help but reward us because of that. Because he loves his son and when we put Jesus number one, that blessing flows to us. Now listen, if you want to step outside of God's blessing, which no one would do that intentionally, maybe some would, but most of us would never do that. The quickest way to do that, the quickest way to get out from the flow of God's reward is to put something else or replace something else as the most important thing in our lives besides Jesus. Or even we can say with our words, Jesus is the most important thing. But our lives and our actions or even the things in our churches don't say that. And so we need to understand, listen, we want to put Jesus dead center in the seat of our lives as we bow down to him and follow him as he leads us. Those who keep Jesus at the center in your own life. They keep his message at the center. They use their resources To promote his church. And they give to the church God's planted them in. And they live and they function as Jesus has called them and redeemed them and and spoken to them. Those who see Jesus as awesome in the center of my life. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you've put Jesus front and center. You will experience blessings and reward from Jesus himself and from the Father. Because God is crazy about Jesus. And if you're crazy about Jesus, God is crazy about you. Amen? And this is the church. They were crazy about Jesus. The second thing that will reward us or allow us to access God's reward is number two. God rewards a life that is faithful to share the good news of Jesus. The closer we get to Jesus, really, the more our hearts become his hearts. What, 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 for me, I, I don't want to know what, what grieves God's heart. I want to feel what grieves God's heart. I, I don't want to know what what. what blesses God, I want to feel what blesses God. And, the re- and how you do that is you are close to Jesus in relationship. You're close to Jesus in your journey. These people of this church, they saw Jesus as who he was and they were passionate about him. About knowing more of him. The more I knew of him, the more their lives emulated his life. And they were just, they were conduits of the goodness of God to the community around them. We've read first church we looked at was the church in Ephesus. This church was busy. They were busy. They, they looked good on the outside. But Jesus says, you've abandoned your first love. I mean, they were shiny. They were hot. They got it going on. But as Jesus leaned in, he says, you've abandoned your first love. That was the church in Ephesus. You're, you're actually living off of what used to work. You're, you're somehow, you've you've. You've drifted. You've put, instead of me at the center, you've put these events and what you're known for. And Jesus is like, I'm not at the center anymore. You have drifted from your first love. But this church, they had kept Jesus the center. They had the right motivation. They were in love with Jesus. They were in love with the gospel. Wherever they worked, they carried the message. They, they worked as unto glory, bringing glory to God. They loved their families in a way that brought honor to God. When they, when they stumbled, they repented. When they, it was just they just they lived out this life-giving message of Jesus through their human, flawed lives. And it was evident. Listen, when I read this and I think about these people, man, I want to live my life in a way that Jesus affirms. I want to live my life in a way that, that just God just can't help but to bless me. God just can't help but to reward me. That's what I want. And to put him at the center of my life. It's a decision that we all have to make. It's a decision that we have to say, God, you know what, Lord, I... I I recognize things have drifted. I recognize that you're not at the center. And I recognize that my, I I put something else there. And here's the beautiful thing about God. You're like, Lord, I'm sorry. He's like, I've been waiting for you to, to help you realign your life. God's waiting for you. He's waiting for your invitation to help, for him to help you to put things right in your life. Because he wants to bless you and reward you. Jesus said this. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, and you have kept my word and have not denied my name. The folks in this church, as I've shared a little bit, they were suffering persecution, hardships. And here's the truth. Their strength was dwindling. Anybody had any dwindling strength in 2020? Come on, raise your hand. (laughs) Right? This year's been a doozy, huh? And you're like, (laughs) I got nothing. Jesus, I got nothing. Listen, this church, they were struggling. They have little strength. They were feeling like, God, we got nothing to offer you, Lord. Our passion is we want to be used of you, but we got nothing. We're tired. I don't even see how we can get an open door to even for you to use me in my workplace or through our church or I just feel like everything is closed, and I, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I, 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 don't have, I, I don't have any strength. Jesus was telling them, listen, I'm going to open a door for you in your weakness. So many times we, we, we tell God what he can do with us. <laughs> Lord, I'm weak. Sorry, I'm a lost cause. Go find somebody else. You find that all throughout Scripture. God calls Moses. Moses is like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't talk. Sorry. God's like... What does that have to do with anything? Get over here, son. And he uses them. Like, like there are all these different people all throughout Scripture that you, you think, you, you know, you got Peter who like, denies even knowing Jesus. And sorry, Jesus, I, I, I denied even knowing you. I got nothing. And Jesus goes, that's interesting because Peter, upon this rock, meaning little rock, Peter, I will build my church, speaking about the statement Peter made that he is the Christ. What is this? God likes to take. People with little strength. And for you to say, Lord, I, I don't have anything. He says, yeah, you do. Because I can give you strength. God just needs a little bit. Think about that. God just needs a little bit of faith, a little bit of willingness, a, a little bit of surrender. That's, that's what he needs. Think about the young boy out of the Gospels that they were, they were, Jesus was teaching and they were out in this field and they were all hungry. There were thousands of them. And so... All, all, all they have, they're like, hey, Jesus, the people are hungry. Jesus says, all right, disciples, you go feed them. Disciples like, we don't have anything. And that it had to be a joke, right? Peter goes, well, we got this little boy's lunch, two fish and five loaves. Now you're going to send them home, Jesus? Like you really think Peter was like, I have the answer, Jesus, two fish and five loaves. No. But Jesus took the little, took the insignificant. He took the, the, the substance that this young boy had. And this is what he did. The Bible says that he took it, he blessed it, and then it fed thousands. The Lord is, listen, if what you will allow God to bless and what you put in his hands is what he's waiting for to do supernatural things through your life. So stop telling, no, I, I mean, the poor boy could have, I'm I just two fish and five loaves. Peter, get away from me. I'm hungry. This is all I have. This is it. It's the two-biscuit combo from KFC. Leave me alone. It's mine. <laughs> but he didn't. he didn't. So he took it. And because the boy allowed Jesus to bless the little he had, God used him. God's looking for people who just, it's just a little bit. God, I, I, I'll give you what I have. So many of us, even right here in this room or online, so many of us are like, I, I don't have much to give. Listen, God doesn't need much. He just needs a willing heart. Listen, so you might be tired, you might be, you might be struggling. Please know this, Jesus will take the little strength you have and do something amazing with it. Just surrender it to him. He can do a lot with a little willingness. That's why Matthew 17, he says, Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, I can do something with you. Then you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus is looking for a willingness. Will that be you today? Will you just give Jesus the little stuff, the little strength you have? Number three, what else can we learn from this passage is that God rewards and vindicates those who are persecuted for his namesake. Now, listen, we've never, we haven't faced persecution here in the U.S. Not yet. I mean, it'll come at some point. Why Why do I know that? (laughs) Because Jesus said, um, if you're you're going to identify with me, you will suffer with me. We know that. We see the lives of the disciples who often were persecuted. All of them died in persecution. And so the the fact is this, it's coming. But here's the truth. God rewards and vindicates those who are persecuted. This church is being persecuted. And he tells them out out of this passage, Revelation chapter 3 verse 9 I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews though they are not but are liars I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you This is just this understanding these again these folks had had converted from Judaism and were following Jesus and it's important we understand what, like, what, the context of this, what was going on. Well, his, history tells us that in 70 AD, Jerusalem was attacked by Rome, and the Jews fled. And Jesus pr- spoke of this, prophesied of this. He wept over Jerusalem because he prophesied this moment would come the discru- destruction of Jerusalem. But they, they, they ran for their lives, they were hurting, they were broken. They were in pain, and many received Jesus as the Messiah as they came to be a part of this church in Philadelphia. They acknowledge Jesus is the one. And so they were being persecuted by their fellow family, Jews, in a city that has rejected Christ. They were being persecuted because this church, many of the church had departed from Judaism. And they were cut off, and they were suffering. And Jesus is saying... You think that those persecuting, you think it's going to last forever? You think that your enemies that are coming against you are never going to, you, th- you know, you, you think the government is, is never going to let you do church again? You think you're going to have to do this and you think you're going to, you, you're going to, Jesus, said, hey, hang on a second, hang on a second. You're mine. You do know that, right? You do belong to me. And I've got you back, right? You do know that. And I'm going to bring your enemy one day, and I'm going to lay them at your feet. And they're going to see that you were loved by me. That's why David writes in Psalm 110, or um, 110, God will make our enemies our footstool. That's what he said. Psalm 23, that even in the midst of our pain and suffering and enemies, God's like, I got you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I I love that picture because I see our enemies around us wanting nothing but death and destruction and you're just munching on a chicken wing. Hey, what's up? As it gets closer to noon, I start talking about food more. So that's just what happens. (laughs) And you're sitting there in front of your enemies having a meal. Hey, can can you pass the mashed potatoes, please? And they're watching you in the presence of your enemies. God's like, I got you. I got you. He was, he was, he was encouraging them. I have you. God wants you to look for His blessing in the midst of your hostility. He wants you to search for your miracles in the midst of your storm. He wants you to know as the, as things push push in on you and press in on you, and you're thinking, I can't do this anymore. He's like, Hey, hey, hey! I got some keys. And uh, I'm going to set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And they're going to be like, obviously, God loves this one. That's what God has for you. And he's reminding them that he's going to bless them. When we are a church that's committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, committed to exalting Jesus, God cannot help but bless you, reward you, Prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. An awesome God cannot help but protect you in the midst of tribulation. And tribulation is coming. Scripture is clear that there's going to be an age of tribulation. And so what else can we learn from this in our journey with Jesus? Number four, that God rewards the faithful by keeping them from the hour of trial. Verse 10 says this. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. What, aisle will I, what trial was well, this? It's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. This is what the scripture speaks of the tribulation, the great tribulation. I don't have time to go into all of this, but when you read the next few chapters, let me encourage you to do so. Jesus talks about a time of testing. And I believe it's a reference to the tribulation period in the end times. And I believe as we are living it, listen, anytime something affects the whole world at once, I start listening and looking. There's some things going on that we recognize, hmm, this could be what God is doing. There's something that's going to be coming. There's a a world positioning for something to happen. And Jesus says there's a trial and there's a testing come for the whole world. But Jesus says this to to the church, but don't worry, I got you. I'm going to protect you. Chapter 5 and 6, you read about the judgment of God that's going to come on the earth He talks about the seal judgments, which is a, it's a symbol of, but it's a seal judgment, the trumpet judgment, the bowl judgments that are listed in Daniel, but also Revelation 16. Jesus said, this time is coming. It's coming, but don't worry. You're mine, and I'm going to keep you. That's what he tells him. I believe this means that Jesus, this is what I believe, is that Jesus is going to take the church before the tribulation will come. I know there's a lot of different opinions about them, a lot of smart people, a lot of scholars. And this has been wrestled with for centuries. So, listen, there's like, well, this, you know, the rapture, what we call the rapture, that's the snatching away that we read in scripture. You know, is it, is it pre-trib, is it mid-tribulation, is it post-tribulation and trial? And, you know, there are all these different things and, and there are some scriptures that support some of the others. And it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a mystery, but this is what we do know. Jesus said, don't worry, I will take care of you. So listen, so whether pre, mid, post, I, I kind of, I lean towards the, the, the pan trip, which is however it pans out. I'm super happy, just blessed by God. It's going to be great. I'm, I, me personally, I would lead theologically to, to a pre-trib, but rapture, but the, the, it doesn't matter about the timing. Don't get caught up in the timing. Knock that off. Don't do that. Don't get caught up in that. What we do know is this. God does not want his church to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear, my friends. You can relax. Listen, Jesus purchased you with his blood. He's not about to let you go through something that, that, would, that he promised he wouldn't do. He has a lot invested into your life. And he will protect you. And he will keep you. And he will hold you in the hour of trial. We are in interesting times, though. If you think about the, the timeline of human history, just, just go on a quick journey with me real quick. Is this, you have from, from Adam to Noah is 1,000 years. So scripture says this, and I know there's some other interpretation. But scripture says this, you know, to the Lord a day is a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years is a day. But from Adam to Noah is 1,000 years. From Noah to Abraham is another 1,000. From Abraham to, uh, to David is another 1,000. So it's 3,000. From David to Christ, it's four thousand. Another thousand. Now it's been two thousand years since Christ died and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. So that's another. That's two. Two more thousand. So we're at six. So six thousand. So if, if a day is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. That's the number six. Six in scripture is the number of man, and we know that Jesus is going to rule and reign, the millennial reign, which is another 1,000 years, which brings it right to seven if he was to come back really soon. That's 7,000 years. Seven is the number of completion, and then we know that there is a new heaven and a new earth, so I'm just saying Jesus is come back soon. That's what I think. That's what I think. <clears throat> it's interesting, but when he comes and gets us, I'll be totally cool with that. But until then, but until then, friends, we got some work to do. We're called to be like this church in Philadelphia. You're called to be like these people. God believes in you. We don't know the day and the hour. but Yeah, we can discern the times and the seasons. But we are to build our lives on what God rewards. Number five, the last one is this. God will reward you with a crown and his name. Those of us who walk And do our best to trust in the Lord. He will reward you with crown and his name. Verse 11 out of chapter 3 says this. I'm coming soon. (laughs) Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. What's he saying? Hold on to what you have. In other words, keep doing what you're doing. Stay faithful to me. Don't give up. This church, they, they had stayed faithful. They'd stay, they, were, they kept giving. They were part of the church. They were serving God in their workplace. They were coming together and meeting, worshiping together. They were sharing the gospel. They were inviting their friends to church. They were sharing Jesus with those who didn't know him. And they, they, were, they kept being faithful. He says, hold on to that. Don't quit that. Keep doing that. Because the truth is this. The enemy wants you to lose your crown. This crown is not talking about salvation. Jesus has secured your salvation. He has purchased you. Deal's done. Contract's been signed. You're his, right? But this crown is about your reward. So Jesus is saying, listen, hang in there. Don't quit. Keep doing what I've called you to do. Keep sacrificing because when you're sacrificing, you're storing up treasures in heaven. Keep moving. Keep moving to the finish line. Stay with it. I know the enemy wants to d- discourage you. I know the enemy wants you to throw in the towel. Listen, don't listen to that. You keep running. I've got a crown for you because you're being faithful. That crown's getting bigger and bigger and I'm going to place that sucker on your head and you're going to be rewarded because of your faithfulness. And he says, if you do that, verse 12, he says this. The one who's victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And now you're permanent. This is a permanent thing. You're not, you're not a fence post, you're a <laughs> pillar in the temple of God. Never again will they leave it. This is, a, this is about us stepping into eternity. I will, I will write on them, look at this, name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. This is the reward. What's Jesus saying? That you're going to be marked by the God of the universe. You know what I'm proud about? My kids' last name. I'm proud that they bear my last name. Now, from a human standpoint, I'm like, I, I, I don't deserve that. Because they're great kids. I love them. But I'm still proud. They bear my name. What, God is, what Jesus is saying, God is so proud, He's, he is marking you with his very own, the very own name, the God of the universe, who measured the universe by the span of his hand, who spoke and separated light from darkness and, and water from sky and who spun the universe into existence. He's like, I can't wait to get my name on those kids. I can't wait. He's so proud of you. This is a God that's generous. This is a God that has that's redeemed you. And then, then you're going to have the name of the city of my God. Listen, this is not just this is not a a place, just a place. This is you belong to a people, you belong in the city, New Jerusalem part of that you're gonna you're gonna run the streets of the New Jerusalem it's gonna be like, this is my city and that's my God see I got the name on me my city my God this is what it's this identification it's this identity about who you are and this is Jesus who's saying hey listen God's got a great plan in place for you don't give up don't stop don't throw in the towel I know you have little strength keep moving I'm here to strengthen you when you fall I will give you the strength I'm just asking you just 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 give it I just need a little bit just give me a little bit, and I could do great things in your life. Keep moving. And the last one is this. He's going to write, Jesus is going to get a new name. He's going to get a new name. Now, when the the angel Gabriel um, appeared to Mary, which in a couple months, we're going to be in a Christmas series. Crazy, huh? But anyway, and he said, and you will call his name Jesus. Well, this is that simple, just Jesus means Savior, the one who saves us. So Jesus came with that function. His name was to save us, and he did it. But when the new heaven and the new earth, he's going to get a new name. I don't know what it is. I have no clue what his new name is. But I will be very, very proud to wear the name of Jesus. I don't know what, what, it, what it is. It's Jesus now. I don't know what it will be then. But there will be a new name. And we will be marked by who we belong to, the place we belong, and the one who got us there. Which then won't be Jesus. It will still be the same, the, the second person of the Trinity. But who we'll have a new name. And we'll be marked by it. The greatest reward that we have. Honestly, yes salvation, yes heaven, yes it's going to be amazing. Yes it's going to be I'm telling you, it's going to be heaven is going to be the greatest adventure of this every day you get to learn stuff about God, you get to be a part of of this big family and there's no more tears, no more pain, no more no no more mental illness, no more physical illness. No no more shame, no more condemnation. Like no, no more like no, no more. We are going to be free from every curse of the sin of sin. Totally free from the curse of sin. It's going to be a good day. And I think if you like fishing, you're going to get to go fishing. I think if you like, if, if, if you like exploring, I think it's, it, God's going to have the greatest season of exploration you can go on. It's, I'm telling you, God, he's going to bless his kids like crazy. But yes, that's a great reward. But you know, for me, the greatest reward is I get my father. I get him. I'm no longer. I no longer have to have faith. Because he's right there. We're going to live our whole lives longing for him. He's changed me. He's saved me. He sent his son for me. And I get to be with him. He's my greatest reward. The Father is my greatest reward. And I will see him face to face. And I will spend eternity with him. And that's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Besides the size of fish, him and I are going to pull out together. It's going to be fun. Live your life in a way that you will receive your reward. Anything you give up on this side of the grave is worth it. It's worth it. Lustful pleasure, it's nothing in comparison to what awaits you. Sacrifice for God to use you, be a missionary, to be a light in the midst of your workplace, to be the voice of the good news to those who are hurting, to suffer persecution. There's a passage out of Acts where the disciples were faced persecution and said that they had they had delighted that they had been found worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. They were Running towards the finish line. And they kept running. We need to understand this race we're running. That anything we sacrifice. Anything you give up. This church, Philadelphia, they kept, they, they, they stayed faithful to God. They stayed, stayed faithful to the call. They stayed faithful to giving. They stayed faithful to sowing. They stayed faithful to the gospel. They stayed faithful to their church. They stayed faithful to God. And he says, I've got a crown. Don't give up. God's calling us as men and women of God, young men and women of God, to lace up our bootstraps, to keep running and live a life that God Rewards. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you just for your love for me. Can't wait to see you, Father. But, Lord, until then, may we be filled with the reality that we are living in a temporal world with a task, with a call. May we run it as people are running towards a prize. May we cast off all things and distractions and sins that will detract. And may we run the race for the crown. Lord, may we as men of this church and online be men who are men of integrity, men of truth, men who defend women, men who don't take advantage of women, men who protect them and protect the innocent. May we be men of integrity that reject the world's definition of a man and walk in the biblical definition of being a man of God. May we lead our families May we be the example, Lord, for our young men to want to follow and for our young women to want to marry someone like us. God, today we feel weak, but we give you the little strength that we have. And we ask you to do something in our lives that we could be the men of God. God, for, our, for the women here, God, I pray that as they say yes to you today, that we, the women of this church, God, would be women of integrity, women of truth, women that speak well of one another, women that hold the line, women that set the example for other young women to follow, women who set the example for young men to want to marry someone like the women that they are being. God, I pray that you would put in all of us a backbone to hold strong to the end. God, I pray for our young adults that are feeling the call of God on their life to be used of you, to maybe go to the nations, to maybe go to the neighborhoods or inner city, or to be a voice wherever they are. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would strengthen them today, that you would help them to run the race. That you would hold fast, God, what you've done in their lives. Lord, may they be investing their life for the crown that's ahead. May we be a church, God, that is, that is fixed on and obsessed with the finish line. And may our lives align with the faith that we speak of and we say that we have. Lord, I want to thank you today. That you have poured out your rewards on us. And today we want to align our lives and live the lives that you want to bless and reward. In Jesus' name, just remain with your heads bowed. If you're here today and you say, Jason, I, I wanna make sure my life is secure. I want, I want Jesus, I wanna be a part of the church that he takes out of this tribulation. And I want to be a part of his family. If you're here today and you don't know if that's you, if you, if you have doubts and you want to just give your life to Jesus today, Nobody's looking around. This is your moment. Jesus brought you here for him. I want you to raise your hand right now to receive Christ. God bless you. God bless you. Just hold them up. Be bold before the Lord. Nobody's looking. Just hold it up. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. You put your hands down. Thank you. God bless you. Scripture says that if you pray this prayer out of Romans chapter 10 and you believe it, the Bible says that you will be saved. And we, your family, are going to pray with you because we're your friends. We're on a journey together. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And all of us, let's pray together passionately and loudly committing our lives to Jesus. And the Bible says if you pray it and believe it, you will be saved. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Give me a new start. I put my trust in you today. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you're the Son of God. I commit my life to you. From this moment forward, I belong to you, and you belong to me. Help me to run my race. Help me to run for the crown thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for the great adventure you have for me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, huge, huge favor, I'm going to ask you. If you could just fill out the the Connect card right in front of you, and just write your information, check the box, give my life to Jesus. And then when you leave, you can drop it in the bucket also. That same card, if you have some prayer requests and you'd like for us as a staff to pray for you, we'd be honored to do that. You can pick out that card and write your prayer request and also drop that on the bucket. Same card, you can use it for, for both reasons. And so just drop it when you leave. Or you can text SAVED if you're joining us online. Or here you can text SAVED to the number on the screen. Let's all stand to our feet. And as you do that, I just want to let you know something, church. I really do love you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for your faithfulness. I've seen many of you just dig deep and find strength in Christ through this. You have been faithful in your giving. You've been faithful. You have emulated much of what the church in Philippi or in um, Philadelphia, you, you have done much like them. And I just want to thank you. I'm really proud to be a part of you. And I hope you know that I love you. Let me pray for you. Just raise your hands, and I'm going to bless you today. Father, I bless our people in the name that's above every other name. I pray that you would bless marriages, that you would bless relationships with family, with workplaces. God, today I thank you that you are the door opener. You know what doors that need to be opened and you hold the key. So today, God, we ask you to kick down and open up every door that you want open for my life. And I thank you today, God, that there is no door that, that you have opened that anyone can shut and no door that you want shut that anyone can open. And so we thank you for that today. Bless our people, prosper them, and let them continue to run the race you have called for them. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Amen.